everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 248, we're discussing a prelude to Wonder Woman 84, WB's 2021 movie slate, and the ever-expanding MCU Spider-Verse. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. And I'm Sanjay. Oh, man, it is going to be a very exciting episode. Everyone here is in particular fine form. Our pre-show was was quite interesting, and I think we're going to bring that energy into episode number 248, only two away from episode 250 and five years of podcasting for The Nerd Room. But guys, we got a ton of great things to discuss this week, including our prelude to Wonder Woman 84, WB's next big drop. We've got WB's 2020 movie slate, a seismic shift in the movie landscape that WB is spearheading, and we've got some news from today about the ever-expanding Spider-Verse contained within the MCU Spider-Man 3. Some interesting casting confirmations, almost to some degree, that really points out this movie, as we've been discussing in the past, being this giant crossover film between every iteration of Spider-Man we've seen over the last 20 years or so. So guys, a ton of great stuff to talk about, and that doesn't even mention... The Mandalorian this past week. Woof. Straight fire. This show continues to deliver. And we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. But guys, welcome. It's it's it the pre-show was a ton of fun. And I think this episode is is gonna be just a great time. I know we've got a bit of a rivalry building on this WB movie slate thing, so look out for that a little bit later on in the episode. But before we get into anything, any of that news. We've got to get into our weeks and nerds, guys. We're counting down towards the holiday season here. We're getting towards the end of 2020, thank goodness. And the hunt for me has definitely slowed. I had a big, big week last week. Usually when I get in December, I pull it back a little bit and, and just chill out. But have you guys been keeping that pace? Man, Craven the Hunter, man. Have you have you been have you been out there on the hunt grinding away towards the end of the end of the year here? Yeah, man, I'll be on those streets just just going at it, just going crazy. I've <laughs> lost my mind this year, man. I've lost my mind. Um, <laughs> you could, yeah, Troy, but... as the kids say, you could grind the blue off my blue jeans. That's what the kids say these days. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. you know, like you go to the club and you you know you you meet up with someone. Yeah. This is that you know, energy I was talking about, guys. It's yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Troy, he's always grinding away, you know? Yeah, man. He's down in those clubs when they're open, you know, grinding away. Haven't been open since February. <laughs> <laughs> I get Troy in trouble here. Sorry, man. I exposed Vegas you. once a year, man. Just once a year. But uh, Well, how come I didn't get to come? Next year, man. No, it's maybe 2022 at this rate. Year. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anyways, Craven, my All man, right, in the All trenches. Right, I'm back back on track all right um shoot you know what i think uh i think last week i was talking about um that dc book uh history of dc mm-hmm. uh basically starring and featuring uh black lightning so i finished that book up um again recommended highly by my boy carlos here and dude it, it was great it really turned around for me like i i was enjoying the book as is uh once i finished it up and just gained a better perspective of uh, black lightning's character on the other heroes in the DC universe, especially when he comes around to uh, John Stewart and see where oh. he really fits in. Powerful man. Yes. Really powerful, really yes. real that, you know, that, that whole situation does go on in the community. So I thought that was really cool that T- DC didn't shy away from those subject matters. And uh, it's great. It's great. So um, can't recommend this book enough. Um, DC, the history of DC, 
the I other believe, history of the, DC the other, universe. Yeah, the other history of the DC universe. It's it's cool, man. It's it's a great great read. So, um, I did that. I think that was it for comics. I haven't gone to pick anything up, but uh, with me, man, it's the toys. It's always these action figures these days, man. <laughs> um, you know, I I finally got, I finally I finally got my hands on Ezra, man. I've been chasing this oh. thing for quite some time, and Amazon finally came through and delivered my Ezra. So I got I got Ezra. I got Ahsoka. I got Hera and I got Sabine of the new like we done uh, Rebels line, which is a line I said I was gonna stay away from. But, uh, oh, I love that, that man. I love it. You know, that that box art, man. The box art is so cool with these new Black series. I just I couldn't resist. So um, and my boy C, my boy C here, Carlos, uh, how he got his hands on uh, the Canaan. So um, I don't know, man. I I might go all in. I might now have to get Chopper. You, you and, have to. You need to get Zed yeah. too. And Zed, I, I I yeah. You know, I just I just got to. I You're got I got drawn so so far gone man um and then i went to tours R us and i came across i wasn't expecting this to be out yet but i came across the j jonah jameson amazing spider-man retro line and black cat in that whole like 90s 94 toy biz kind of look era from the from the animated series right so i finally got my hands on those two and uh they're they're cool man these ones i'm just i'm just keeping them in the packaging because they just look all pretty cool lined up together amongst each other in that that purple 90s uh card back so um got my hands on those and then carlos and i man we've been going back and forth about this multi multiverse mcfarland line man from from dc and uh this thing this thing is crazy we've been hunting hard for like this dual pack of um basically it's like the new 52 uh nightwing and uh red hood uh, it's not really a new 52 Nightwing, though, because if you look at the colors, it's just it's just a complete color swap of the original <laughs> McFarlane line. But anyways, no hate, no shame, man. We picked those up, got my hands on um, the Deathstroke as well, and another Amazon delivery from um, from McFarlane Toys, man. It was the Batman, the Arkham Knight. So I, you know, I just I just went all in. I, I, I was trying to support everyone, right? Like Star Wars, you got it, man. DC, you know, Marvel. Like I, I was just going in on all all. And man, but um, I gotta say, I really uh, dig this this DC Multiverse dual pack that I got. The the Red Hood and Nightwing actually surprised me a lot, and I I had to modify a little bit. Carlos knows what I'm talking about, but I had to modify my Nightwing just a little bit because <laughs> those new 52 colors just weren't right. But um, Red it's Hood. crazy. He DMs <laughs> me in the morning, and he's like, "Yo, I got the Nightwing Jason two pack hooked up for curbside pickup," and the next DM I get from him. Is the Nightwing modded already? Like <laughs> hours later, I was like, I, I couldn't even plan this in the time that you executed. <laughs> His wife thinking. was driving and he was painting in the car. Like that's how much detail he had. <laughs> yeah, man. No, it, it it was crazy. It's just it's so much fun, man. These these figures. I gotta like like if we're handing out awards, man. I really gotta give it to uh, McFarlane this year. It's crazy and like and every so often they're giving you like more images of like the next thing that's coming out. And every time I'm blown away. Like you see like the press images or the photo images, and you're like, yeah, that looks cool. I'm all in. And then you get your hands on it, and you're like, whoa, like it's another level. And um, just some of the stuff they're doing with like the soft goods where like the Under Armour legs are, where you can like move them more. Like like Carlos knows what I'm talking about when it comes to like the Robin. Whereas like Robin's like green tights, you would think they would just be like a plastic that's like painted over. 
but they actually go in and make him like a soft goods. So it's kind of like Captain America's like chain mail, mm -hmm. but basically Robin's like underoos, right? But it has like this flexibility with like no cut off, cut off like plastic lines. It's just a really cool um, idea and just a way to uh, kind of change the game, man. I just, I just really like what McFarlane's doing over there. It's, it's just been a blast. Well, yeah. and I often wonder too, and I've said this over the last couple of weeks. I feel like McFarlane. I think he talks. Uncle there, Todd there talks about a a line or a wave, and three weeks later, you guys have it in hand. Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah like there is it's that. True. And where I find that we get a black series announced and like six months later, we, we might see it on the shelves. Yep. And I, I just don't understand his ability to, to facilitate distribution like that. And you guys have had a hard time with a few figs, but for the most part, you've been able to get your hands on them. And like I, I keep saying, it's, I feel like there's a new wave every week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're pumping them out. It's crazy. It's crazy. And for the most part, like you mentioned, like, they're pretty accessible to get. Like you don't really hit, ever get a hard, hard time. Mainly it's just like the first like week or so you're trying to get your mm -hmm. hands on it. And you know, within that month, like they're pretty well out there for everyone to get their hands on. So um, yeah, man, they're, they're just fantastic stuff. Tom yeah. McFarlane, Hasbro, everyone, man, everyone, in the toy games. Yeah. Are you really buying into the, the brand of the nerd room? Here? <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Carlos, man? I know you're out there. You're doing a little bit of the Kijiji hunt this week. Yeah, man. So yeah, it started off with the Kijiji hunt for me, or at least um, that that was kind of the big hunt piece with, uh, yeah, Troy floated it out there because my daughter after seeing, not this week's, but the week before his episode of The Mandalorian was like, I got to add a Ahsoka to my Black Series collection. And my first question was, what Black Series collection? Because you just got this Grogu and that's the only thing. But uh, yeah, there was a whole bunch of figures coming from big bad toy store and some of them belong to tim and troy and her because she's got to <laughs> round out this mandalorian collection but uh yeah troy put me on the line to an ahsoka and he wanted the canaan as well so i ended up hooking up with buddy and got both those figures for retail which nice. i don't think i'll be able to find them ever and um I, I don't know if it was an official tease or not but there was a picture floating around of like the rosario style mm. ahsoka and it looked cool, but they were saying it's like at least a year from being in our hands kind of thing. So I was super happy that I landed this one. And it was pretty cute. Like I I gave it to her and uh, got Troy socked away downstairs. And by the time I went upstairs, she had her like posed up on the end of her shelf as though she's like sitting coaching mm -hmm. Grogu there holding hands kind of thing. I was like, ah, that's Dope. awesome. So. Dope. Yeah, that was cool. And then uh, shout out to Dave Fonzie, friend of the show. He had, uh, after... Last episode or the one before I had mentioned I was kind of hunting the Mandalorian and the child pop where he's blasting off in the jetpack and he's holding the child. And Dave sent me a DM saying like, we have this one and you guys are welcome to have ours if you can't find it kind of thing. And uh, there's a bit of hunt karma because after I finished up with uh, the Kijiji meat, just ducked into the Toys R Us that was nearby and ended up landing that very pop so awesome it was a nice. yeah it was a mando kind of day that day and then aside from that it's been me and cal kestis all weekend yeah <laughs> <man>. <laughs> i am freaking loving that jedi fallen order game and uh like the the gameplay is tight enough and it's cool and i i really like the level design it lends itself to some replay and um it's pretty challenging to work through outside of the combat pieces and uh but Aside from that, like just the lore, 
and the the deep cuts and the way they take you through everything from like literally the day of order 66 to him in this kind of post prequel um pre death star explosion world is incredible like it, the assets of star wars lore that i find myself like researching and looking up is awesome like this game has totally sold me on star wars in a whole new level oh. and like i am all in for cal kestis being the guy to answer cool. that call when grogu's on that mountain yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i got to a certain point in the game and with the kuiper crystal so anyone who's played the game will oh, know yeah elements yeah, as yeah. soon as you kind of get to that point in Ilum where he deals with the Kuiper Crystal, I was just like, and there's like that quick cut scene. I was like, dude, you got to be the guy that shows up to train Go Grogu. Amazing, like, right? It's got to be yeah. you. And like yeah. Cameron Monaghan, he's the right age for like even just the time that passes between when the Mandalorian takes place and where that game starts off kind of thing, it's perfect. Like, he's within five years of being the perfect age. He's a heck of an actor. Like, that guy carried two seasons of the god-awful Gotham show on his back. <laughs> like, he was the only thing that was watchable in there and did an incredible job. He was fun on Shameless, and I don't think he's doing a ton right now. So, It's there, yeah. man. It's there. Like, what a season it would be for them to bring in someone from the video game after pulling in from a book the cartoons yes. or the whatever you call it, call it animation and now to pull in from a video game mm. and that would hit every single little piece and facet that star wars has expanded beyond the live action films which would be really yeah. cool to see yeah like i did a bit of googling like one of the first things like, i'm embarrassed to say that i googled was like did dave filoni write <laughs> jedi fallen order or was he involved <laughs> with it i think he had some involvement but uh the one thing i did find is that they were very adamant about saying that that story is canonical and counts as part of like the Disney Star Wars canon kind of thing. So it certainly has that going for it. And yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And like you say, that would be a pretty special thing. And like that game sold really well. Like one of the articles I was reading was EA said far surpassed their expectations and was one of their best selling products of all time kind of thing. Wow. So yeah, there's lots of people that have yeah. played it kind of thing. And I know the boxes. No, no. <laughs> In fact, that was one of the complaints is that there's been no DLC for it, which yeah. for me is just fine. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm all about it. Yeah. Man, it, it's so great to hear the goddamn Batman have a almost pure Star Wars week. I'm loving yeah, that. Man. I'm loving that. Well, it's true. Our, my boy Troy put me to shame with that McFarlane hunt. <laughs> like he, uh, <laughs> what? Although I do got to give a shout out to Darth Goody. He's got uh, he put a treat in the mail to me. So love that guy, man. Yeah. Big shit out yeah. there. Oh, the best, man. The best. Oh, he's he is magic. And it's just one of those where it's like, I know you can't get this, so <laughs> just uh, send me your address and there's a little something coming. So oh, oh, yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love the community, man. Love the community. And Dar's a big piece of that. One of the most generous collectors out there, too. So yeah. big shout yeah. out to him. Yeah. yeah, I can I can attest to that. Yes. Love that guy. Yes. All right. Sonny, my man, I know you don't like going last, so you can go second, second last. last. <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, you get you you ride that wave, you go down a little bit, and you go back up. It's like a roller coaster of emotions here on This Weekend Nerd. So take it away, bro. 
<laughs> all right. And you built up all this know. energy, and then you, you let that it go. Fire, you know, the pre-show was lit, as the kids say, lit like a Christmas tree. And so we're like going full steam ahead. Um, yeah, man, this weekend nerd for me. Um, you know, I've been catching up on a lot of movies. Um, so I mentioned that I had picked up that Friday the 13th uh, complete box set many moons ago. And I've been working my way through it. And I'm down to one last film. And that's the only film of Friday the 13th that I saw in theaters. And that's the remake. So that's the last one I have to watch. Um, Freddy vs. Jason, I just watched that one. You know, that one was just okay. Uh, it definitely wasn't the worst in the franchise. Like, to me, Jason Goes to Hell or Five. those ones to me stood out, you know, um, as probably my least favorite. Uh, Jason X, the one where he goes to space, you know, not, not the worst one, surprisingly. Not the worst one. Um, and uh, another thing, this big thing that I picked up, um, so I ordered this from the UK, and it's a bit of a backstory. So this is like a missing or a regret I've had in my collecting for many years. And I was able to finally write that wrong. Um, so if you know me, um, I love horror films and my favorite director, one of my favorite directors was George A. Romero. And um, he did a film called Dawn of the Dead. Um, you may have heard of it. It's, it's a quite famous zombie film about zombies in a shopping mall. And um, I think it was shot in the seventies. And, um, there was a bunch of different cuts of the film. So there's a theatrical release, but then there's like a European um, release. There's like a uh, extended edition. And I remember like maybe like 10, 15 years ago when I was just getting into movie collecting and like watching some of Romero's films, I had seen at Walmart this DVD case box set and it had like all those different editions on it. And for whatever reason, I was going to university at the time and, you know, it was, it was a little bit expensive. Um, so I kind of just passed on it. And um, so this was the DVD edition and lo and behold, all those extra editions, like the extended and European editions went out of print. And I just have on DVD, the theatrical release. And, you know, every so often I would check Amazon and see what the price was. And like the price was astronomical, like five, 600 bucks for this. Uh, box set of movies and I was just like man like I just can't justify pulling the trigger on DVDs you know for this and then thankfully with 4k coming out um, in the UK they released a 4k version of this film and it was a special collector's box set which included the European uh, Argento cut it included the extended edition and included the theatrical cut all in 4k glory and um, the good thing about 4K is it's region-free. So you can get any 4K oh, movie sweet. around the world, and it'll work on any 4K player, which is fantastic because, as you know, Blu-ray and DVD were not. And it was a pain in the ass to find some of these uh, hard-to-find like horror films from like the 80s, and you would find them in Europe, and unfortunately they wouldn't work here unless you had a region-free player. And so I picked this up, even though I don't have a 4K player yet, <laughs> I knew it would sell out. I knew it would be like a hard to find collector's edition. So I, I spent the money and I, I got it and it came in on the weekend and it's fantastic. This box set awesome. is beautiful. They did an amazing job with it and it made the journey all the way from the UK to here and no damage. The only thing that got damaged was like the paper that goes around the box set. Um, 
the sleeve or the J card as they call it. Everything else pristine. And I'm so happy with this set. I cannot wait uh, to get a 4K player and put this thing on and just watch it because it, you know, I've only seen it on DVD and you know, I only saw it on like a really small screen many years ago and I haven't seen it in like 4K glory. So I'm so excited to get a 4K player. You know, I was going to hold out and get a PS5. That seems like that's going to be a long ass wait. So I think what I'll do is I'll probably just Boxing Day's coming up. I may just grab a 4K player for, you know, a third of the price of a PS5 and uh, and just bite the bullet and do it because, you know, I, I've been future proofing myself with uh, all these Black Friday deals with like 4K films that are just like really good deals, like 10 bucks for a 4K film. Wow. And it's like, okay, I don't have the player, but these films are going to look amazing in 4K. And I know if I wait, they're only going to like go up in price because mm-hmm. I just know 4K, you know, I don't think it's going to be like, well, to give you an idea, DVD still outsells Blu-ray. So, you know, 4K is even like way less than Blu-ray. In units or amount of money? uh, I think amount of money. I think both actually, which is crazy because come on, people. (laughs) Upgrade to at least a Blu-ray. You can do it. (laughs) Uh, Blu-ray players are not that expensive anymore. And Blu-rays are the same price as DVDs. So, you know what? Just get the (laughs) Blu-ray. But yeah, man. So I'm future-proofing myself. So I got back like... um, War of the Worlds, the Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg film. I got that in 4K. Groundhog Day with one uh, Bill Murray. got that in 4K. And I've just been slowly building up my 4K collection. Now i got to go back and all the films I saw <laughs> I love on Blu-ray, those are... i got to like upgrade to 4K. <laughs> I love it. Those are the two movies that you're leading your, your 4K charge with. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I was going to get like the Lord of the Rings because that just came out on 4K. Um, but apparently they're like re-releasing like a super box set in July and, um, WB Canada really sucks for their home video. And so we don't get any steel books anymore from any WB pictures. So the U S has got beautiful steel book editions of Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Whereas in Canada, we got none of that. So WB, I know you've been making a lot of mistakes lately, but you know, fix this. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'm going to throw a little bit more fuel on that fire. You know you can stream most of this stuff in 4K, right? Oh, <laughs> you can stream it in 4K, but it does not look 4K quality as opposed to a 4K. Player. My eyeballs can't tell the difference. <laughs> oh, they sure can. You, they sure can, sir. You <laughs> look back to back. Streaming quality of 4K is like watching a DVD or or Blu-ray. It just doesn't have the capability. You just can't stream in 4K. It's, we just don't have the technology, sir. It's just not there. Tell that to my internet provider that told me I could. <laughs> oh, they just want your money. I know. I do joking. not want your money. I, I literally can't wait for this discussion experience. to happen in a few minutes. <laughs> Tim's just bringing on discussion as I keep drinking more. Yep. And then he'll be like egging me on. It's... And then by the end of the episode, I'll be so incoherent. I'll be like, oh, what, Carlos? I know, man. I've been like Michael Corleone, just like sipping, <laughs> sipping the club soda here, ready, ready to pounce. I'm like uh, Joe Pesci Fredo. from Casino. Fredo, yes, Fredo. <laughs> Fredo, I didn't betray you. How dare you call me Fredo? That's, That's an insult. That, was, that should that stick. That was just natural. <laughs> just natural. Just like Troy didn't even have to think about that. I would never betray any of y'all unless it was for a large sum of money. (laughs) 
there's the caveat. He can be bought, folks. He can be bought. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, I, I'm gonna wrap this one up for this week. I didn't do any hunting this week, actually. It's it's been an off week for me, and but the one thing I did do is I started watching Christmas films, and my daughter had us watch Home Alone Four. I can with confidence there's say a Home Alone Four. Well, then there's a five too. <laughs> I can tell you with the utmost confidence that you should never, ever, ever watch that movie. <laughs> ever. It, it's a weird sequel to number two with like mm. all different actors and ages of kids, but all the like Buzz is in it and the dad is in it and the mom, like all the same names. And it's meant to be in some like weird continuity, but like the dad like divorces the mom and goes to live with this like really rich girl. And they build this premise where like Kevin goes into this really technologically advanced house. But one, he's never home alone. And two, what I thought they were setting up with this house, they never do anything with it. All they have is a remote <laughs> that says door open and doors open. That's it. it. The movie sucks so bad. I looked at my daughter after she's six and I said, that was really bad. And she goes, that was really bad, Dad. <laughs> so never watch that. So we had to cleanse our palate with Home Alone one later, <laughs> which is much better. But we are we are starting that process of, of getting through the Christmas movies like we do every single year, and I really really enjoy all that. And my wife sometimes rolls her eyes because I watch the same like ten Christmas movies every year. But you got it. It's tradition, right? Um, absolutely man i'm right behind you i back you on this one nice nice appreciate that but the other thing i had my eyeballs on this week was mandalorian chapter 14 guys like mm. what mm. is this show doing being awesome is what it's yeah. doing yeah. <laughs> like i i i can't believe the consistency of delivery here and the expansive nature of the storytelling and the narrative it drives not only with the mandalorian and grogu but how it's like pulling all these wild OT and prequel and rebels and Clone Wars threads all together in such an organic way and just giving us everything that we could possibly want as Star Wars fans. Now, spoilers for this, guys, if you haven't watched it, Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Let's talk about this. Troy, I got to go to you first Mm -hmm. here, man. Yeah, man. Boba Fett is a badass. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, that 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 lore that has been built up around and the fanfare around Boba Fett has finally been justified. You could almost say, like, I've always liked the character, but it never met like like he's like on par with like Vader and Anakin for this for whatever reason, right? And he's never had that much screen time in the new canon. And here, Tamar Morrison does something special here and they give the freedom to that character to just destroy the screen man like mm-hmm. let me hear your thoughts on boba fett here my goodness man i was i was absolutely blown away first of all um i gotta agree that this season of the mandalorian has been just some phenomenal i can't even say tv like this thing's something else it's a freak of freak of its own kind man um you know this this season introduced us to like what we thought was boba fett mm-hmm. you know on that little cliffhanger awesome then they gave us Bo-Katan amazing then they gave us Ahsoka the best thing in the world and then they give us Boba <laughs> Fett and I'm like and I'm still on that high man because I'm with you like you know and I, I was gifted a Boba Fett figure from you I got two other Boba Fett figures and I'm like yeah like they're cool I love these figures I love love the design of a Boba Fett 
I probably like the figures more than the actual character <laughs> until this point because I've never really been a big Bobo guy. I liked his backstory in Clone Wars. Um, this episode, though, man, they dove in. Tamora Morrison just killed this role of Boba Fett. Just destroyed it. He owned it. Seeing this guy take out stormtroopers with like his his like I don't know like the sandcrawler stick. Yeah, it's like, like the uh, the Bantha toothbrush. Yeah, he was he was just he was going in, and then when he finally gets that armor, he looked amazing the whole time. I'm just like action figures, like we're yeah. getting that new figure <laughs> anytime soon. Um, he was he just owned it, man. Like his confidence, his swagger. I was like, okay, this is why this guy is the baddest bounty hunter out there for me. Um, and shout out to my boy Rick. Like Cad Bane was my all time favorite bounty hunter. Like hands down, nobody was better than that guy until this episode. Like even the Mandalorian himself has to watch out for this guy. Like for for me, if you're gonna throw uh, Din against uh, Fett, it's it's Fett all day right now. Like this guy was doing so much damage, he didn't even have his armor. Let alone until he got his armor, he's taking down ships. Like. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was amazing, man. It was amazing seeing what he was doing. And I just, uh, I just, I just love what they've, they've done here. Cause I, I think I remember, was it last, the last celebration we had when Favreau was talking about uh, the Mandalorian show? I think it was celebration. He, I think originally wanted to do something on Boba Fett, but like he, he couldn't. I think so. He, all of this was nucleated by the idea of a Boba Fett show in some sort. And they went a different direction. Right. Right. with it and i think a better direction with it yes but, but having fett here and like what about his the lore that they retcon basically with Django and boba fett right that that Django's actually very similar to din he's a foundling he is actually a mandalorian and this this changes a lot of things for for Django fett and some of the lines they had in there were boba fett actually speaking the same lines that Django said in attack of the clones like all this, like the few lines in there, the little work they do here, takes Attack of the Clones and puts it on another canonical level. Like it, it really ties a lot together. And I love that just with that like simple, what was it? They, um, what did he call it? Just a simple man trying to make my way through the yes. universe. Like that line. Yeah. Oh, was... Like my father before me, which, yes. is, which is a Luke Skywalker reference from Return of the Jedi. Like yeah. That was so cool. And it's it's the Winter Soldier effect, man. We've been talking about this from mm-hmm. day one on this podcast. Like, this one episode made Attack of the Clones, like, a thousand times better. Yeah. Like, it's just so cool. Just in these simple little lines. And um, I, I can't remember because, like I said, I'm not the biggest Boba Fett fan but I, I until now. But I think Django Fett in the Legends book he was. was a foundling, I think, of some sort. He was raised by another – he was saved by, like, another Mandalorian, which was under – I want to say not Death Watch, but because there's two. There's Death Watch, which is what Din's been picked by. And then there was whatever one that Django mm-hmm. was saved by. So it's kind of interesting because now you're going to have like Boba Fett and you're going to have Din and their their tribes or their, their guilds are basically at each other's throats. But these two are working together. So I think that's kind of cool, man, how they're going back to like some of like the legacy stuff and they're building off of it and making it making it canon. Yeah, it's, it's you know? so cool to see just the expansiveness of it all. And it's little things, right? Do you find yourself sitting there and pointing at the screen and be like, oh, oh, he said that in Attack of the Clone. Oh, like his father said. Yeah, like, you yeah. Know? I, and the Slave 1, like yeah. the Slave 1 like appearance. Oh, that was God. That was a holy shit moment for me. I was like, like yeah. I do this every episode, but I was like, no effing way. Like, did yeah. that just happen? Like, because sometimes it, it just hit you in the face with stuff, right? Yeah. And with the expectation of a 
way the way TV shows are laid out and and dragging things on sometimes for reveals and all this at the end of the show. This show over the last couple episodes has just hit you right in the face with big reveals. Mm-hmm. And seeing the slave one pop in like that, I was not expecting that right off the bat. No. Like I thought no. this episode was going to be Mando versus it kind of was, but I thought it was be more of Mando versus Moff Gideon and his crew, which in essence I guess it it is, but it baked in all this other Boba Fett and the return of, of Fennec as well. Yeah. Which is awesome to see. Uh, Carlos, man, how how is the household receiving this episode? Well, you know what? We, we have an interesting relationship with Boba Fett in, in our family. So as my oldest daughter has become like this Star Wars super fan and she's been working her way through everything, like she kind of had like, and this started like a few years ago where it's like, Boba Fett's everywhere and I can't wait till I see the movie where we see this guy and I can find out why like my uncles love him and they have all this like gear with him and he's the character that's on all the swag everywhere and his action figures are all over the place and then I I actively remember the car ride home because we were like my wife's best friend is a Star Wars fan and he's like I got to watch these movies with the kids kind of thing right so we'd make it a thing every couple months go over and watch a film with them. And I remember driving home after we watched Return of the Jedi. And she's like, what the heck is with Boba Fett? Like, that's the worst character ever. Like, he didn't do anything. He just shows up. And I thought, okay, finally, in this movie, we get to see him. And he just dies in the most punk way. She's like, why does everybody like this guy? And so uh, it was amazing to have this episode play out. And it for me as kind of this periphery observer, see it pay off 40 years of my buddy's headcanon as to why <laughs> Boba's a, a badass. And then to have her do this 180 from Boba being like this character that she hated. Like I used to have this running joke where I was like, yeah, you got to get like my tattoo artist friend to do you a Star Wars tattoo and it should be a rose for Rose Tico that turns into like the Boba Fett helmet at the top. And she'd be like, Oh, stop (laughs) (laughs) to have her turn around 180, And she absolutely loves Boba. Like the first thing was like, Oh yeah, you got to add him to the list of my, of my black series characters. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) this is crazy. Like you hated this guy 48 minutes ago. kind of thing, (laughs) And now he's like your favorite. Cause he's all in on rescuing Grogu. But, uh, yeah, I dug them, man. Like, they they did such a good job of giving that character so much weight and substance so efficiently. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, here's the backstory and why I'm a bonafide Mandalorian and have entitlement to the armor. Here's my code so that you're automatically endeared to me and it gives me a reason for tagging along with you. I loved how they integrated Fennec and had her get a new story with being kind of indentured to Boba for mm-hmm. saving her. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. And his new look is killer. Oh. Like with the kind of flowing black robes underneath the fat armor. Yeah. So, so I hope that they keep that going forward. And like, I'm totally looking forward to assembling the, the Mando squad. Yeah. The on this rescue. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I got to say, Rodriguez, man, the director, like he he destroyed it this episode the action shots that he had with um was it finnick when she did like that cool like like that side kind of profile where she's like jumping backwards but yeah. like shooting at the same time and then like the shooting the the boulder down 
and they're trying to blast it the stormtroopers like the action was was extremely well done even the mando when he's like told the kid uh baby i was gonna say baby group baby yoda where he's like uh, all right man we got to go time to go with uh with the windows down and i was like what the hell does that mean and then he just sure enough goes on with his <laughs> rocket pack down to tython i i thought that was uh was so cool. I mean, if I had one like nitpick, and it's, it's like it's tiny, it's super tiny. But just going off of like the Knights of the Old Republic games and like seeing Tython as like as grand as it was on uh, on the video game front, I could I would maybe just like to see like a little bit more of this cool kind of glorified temple, but like mm-hmm. run down. This it looked a little simple. It looked real. The set looked really real, almost like it's on location, but it's just very simple. But that's like like it's it's tiny like. For me, man, this episode's on all kinds of high. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting great. you say with Robert Rodriguez, because my first reaction when his name popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, I can definitely tell that you filmed this. Just because yeah. yeah. like, the quick cut and the action scenes, it was, yeah. for me, a little bit more jarring than some of the other stuff that we've seen in the past with Ahsoka and all that. Yeah. Like Ahsoka, yeah. that was very, very smooth, where this was like boom, yeah. boom, heavy hitting. Like It's great yeah. for, I think, this. But it definitely, you could see the contrasting styles in directors in this episode, I think, more so than any other episode. Definitely. Definitely. I feel like it's definitely like more of his flavor than like a Star Wars kind yeah. of flavor. Yeah, sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 And I think it's good. Like, I think you get that diversity of filmmaker in there, and that brings a different element to each of these stories. Like, we're always going to remember this as being the Boba Fett story, but like him yeah. smashing those, we've never seen that before in star Wars, like <laughs> no. that just like blunt and like the actual shattering of the individual yes. stormtrooper masks. Yeah. And that. Like yes. we've always seen like these yeah. burn marks on them, but this was like true. Like this is what would probably really happen when you're smacking those plastics. Right. <laughs> like with this big, huge Bantha toothbrush or toothpick, it, yeah. it was, it was something new in, when you can get tired of stormtrooper battle, like cannon fodder battle, right? Mm-hmm. This brought a whole new layer and a whole new element to that, which made it really engaging. And he had some really cool stuff with the guns and the oh, it was oh. it was fantastic. The knee, the, the, yeah. the knee missiles, like that's yeah, new. that was cool. Yeah. 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 So and then we yeah. had all the child or the Grogu stuff with the force, which is going to be interesting to see how that plays out because he spent yeah. a lot of time sitting on that rock just beaming out the force yeah. so yeah, Colin, Cal. Colin, yeah. Cal Colin Cal <laughs> <laughs> what would you guys think of uh, the Razor Crest man oh. alright to the Razor Crest which is man. that's for a lot of those Hasbro fans yeah I was like ooh <laughs> like I had like I that, that gas moment I messaged Tim yeah I was like dude I felt bad for those backers you're locked like, in now boys they, they didn't like that thing was obliterated yeah, absolutely wiped from the face of the planet. So, That's I don't know. Up. I hope for their sake that he gets like a replacement Razor Crest that looks kind of the same. Like I don't know, Star I, I Trek think, style. I think blow up he the might shit. get uh, might get the Slave One man. I think with us seeing the Slave too. One in there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that like, goes to Din eventually. Like there could there could be there needs to be a death this season, right? Like we saw IG Eleven do the side. Like Boba Fett could be queued up for a, an exit. Unless they want to give them yeah. a show, maybe with this reception, maybe they're back into the cube or whatever it is, re- refilming and stuff. But we'll see. I think it uh, this, this show this really landed for me. And like you said, I think it's like the the collecting of the crew. We got Bill Burr on tap now, and maybe Kara, yeah. and we're gonna have uh, 
a whole Mando crew going up against some of those. What they were confirmed, the Dark Troopers were confirmed as well in this episode. Yeah, right. Another thing pulled from Legends, right? Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. So, and, I, and I'm sure Bo Katan's going to show because she wants that oh, blade. Yeah, yeah. Right? We're, we're looking at something special here in these next couple episodes, yeah. and and I think you aptly put it, Troy, almost like an Endgame <laughs> style of yeah. people showing up at a, on your left, man. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. Cannot wait. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. But with all that Mando and Star Wars love, we do have to to move on here to to the next topics. And before we get into any of the more recent news for this week, we just got to. Oh, are we done Mando? Sorry, I just woke up. Yeah, you're back. You're back, Sanjay. I'm back. You got to talk about this because we had actually a, a fantastic, fantastic poll go up this past week. It was our retro review, our listener choice retro review, and we had four individuals choose some films, and we had some great engagement on this one, led by Sir Grabs. He uh, put out there and, and grinded away for a couple of days. We threw the poll up late last week, or yeah, late last week, and let it run for four or five days. Galaxy Quest, Masters of the Universe, what else on there? Independence Day, and Weird Science. Science. And so quite an array of films for our final retro review for this year, our listener choice retro review, that is. So big shout out to Grabs, Dave, Daniel, and Stu Baca for putting the efforts in this week and getting some real Twitter time in there and some real FaceTime for this poll because this this one was the first time we actually asked you guys to nominate the films. And I think with the level of engagement, we're going to continue with that. But the winner was, if you haven't seen the poll, was Galaxy Quest pulling it out in the literally the last second of the poll? Well, well hold on, we still got to wait for the write-in ballots, so That's we true. cannot we cannot call the election yet. We still got to wait for the write-in ballots. So if you guys have written in and you're sending in which one you're voting for, because you don't have Twitter, you know we have another week before we can formally announce the winner. This race is too close to call. It was Listen, very close. Man. I, I gotta say the disrespect for my my movie Weird Science Man. It's <laughs> it's crazy, and I gotta holler at Grabs to get me a PS5 because this guy must have a million bots voting for <laughs> for, this, <laughs> for this thing, man. So Grabs, get me a PS5 with all those bots following yeah. me, man. Come on. I feel bad for Daniel, man. He had that thing sewed up, and yeah. then yeah, yeah, Grabs deployed the bots, and yep. <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> He had a he had a Grabs. giveaway based on it, a Philadelphia Volume One giveaway. Like he was invested, man. <laughs> it was great, you, great to watch. Vice, Vice President of Marketing of the Nerd yeah. Room. He's earned that title, man. VP. <laughs> He's gonna be coming up with a whole bunch of ideas. He's gonna be giving us like T-shirts and hats and stuff. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> Love that guy. So big shout out to everyone who voted in that and get your viewing of Galaxy Quest. In I've never seen this film. I don't think. And if I have, I definitely don't remember it. So it's going to be an interesting review. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's going to be dropping next week in the feed. So next Thursday, you will get the Galaxy Quest review. Followed, guys, followed by our Get Vocal Live session on December 18th, 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We've got some special guests coming in. They're going to be popping into the seats as we discuss the season finale of The Mandalorian. Day and date of release. We're going to be discussing that. And we're also going to be celebrating the holidays, guys. So bring your ugly sweaters. Bring your brews. Bring your drink of choice. We're going to be having some fun celebrating The Mandalorian, celebrating Star Wars, and celebrating the season of giving. Wink, wink, nod, nod. So just look out for that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that's the 18th 8 p.m. Mountain Center time. You can do the math if you live elsewhere as to what time that exactly is for you. But we'd really like to have all you guys no, out no, there. No, no, no. You should give every time zone. What is that time in the UK? What is that time in Brazil? What is it in Russia? Uh, India, China. So it's Japan. midnight in Brazil, like 4 a.m. in UK. Yeah. <laughs> when 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 we're watching The Mandalorian, you can actually put together a matrix with all the different time zones yeah. as you're watching the show. Yeah. And then you can... Put that put that up on Twitter, and we can run through it on the next record. Yeah, seems fair. <laughs> I think so. What was I record. supposed to do? I wasn't listening. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, that's not this coming Friday, but the Friday the 18th. Get vocal. Get on there. Join us. Chat will be run rampant, and we're gonna have a lot of fun with that one. So make sure you are there and put it in your calendar. Put it in your calendar. We here up uh, up north in Alberta, we've just been locked down for the second time. So. Most things, almost everything is closed again, and we can't do much. So online is where it's at. It's the safest place, too, for the most part. I can't really escape Sanjay everywhere, but. <laughs> yeah, you can we'll try. drinking and recording podcasts. So. Yeah. <laughs> what did Enrique Iglesias say? You can run, you can hide, but you cannot escape my love. <laughs> How so Ooh. fitting. I can't Smoldering. even away from that. <laughs> Guys, let, let's jump into some of the news for this week. And of course, we got to talk about the Spider Verse. You know, we've been following this very closely for the last, I'd say, two or so months when the rumors really heated up around Spider Man 3. Now, that's the continuity or within continuity of the MCU following on from Far From Home. So, Spider Man 3, Tom Holland, they are filming right now, but there's been all these rumors about this being an actual, or at least some version of an adaptation of Spider-Verse, given that we're seeing Electro jumping in there. We've got Jojo, J. Jonah Jameson already in the universe. And all these rumors are really heating up about Andrew Garfield, Tobey Maguire and that. And now someone else has been thrown into the mix. So we've got Alfred Molina, I think his name is. He played Doc Ock in Spider-Man 2, one of the best villains in the Spider-Man franchise. Apparently he's been signed up as per The Hollywood Reporter, to be reprising that role of Doc Ock in Spider-Man 3. And this comes alongside heavy rumors and insinuation that Tobey Maguire is coming back, Kirsten Dunst is coming back, maybe Emma Stone, Andrew Garfield. So, guys, this is looking like a very special film. And if you go way back to when we started talking about this concept, we had all projected the idea that this is something they would build to. This isn't something that they're going to do in Spider-Man 3. We've got a lot of multiverse stuff running around here with the MCU, with DC, of course, really embracing that earlier this year around DC fandom, the concept and the idea. And even before that, they're really kind of the pioneers of this space in live action. But it seems like Marvel and the MCU are are leveraging the Spider-Verse love from a couple of years ago and dumping this all and bringing all these loose threads from all these Spider-Man franchises um, from the ones that were canceled to the ones that are now continuing to run, they're bringing this all together. So, Troy, as a resident Spider-Man expert here in the nerd room, seeing yeah, these latest rumors, I'm not gonna I'm gonna continue to call them rumors that like we haven't heard anything from the studios directly, but they seem to be fairly consistent, and and coming from sources like Collider and all that 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 do have ins in the industry. So. This is this seems pretty real, eh? The Spider Verse concept in live action for Spider Man Three. Yeah, I don't know, man. I still have a I still have a tough time wrapping my head around this one. I mean, you mentioned Jamie Foxx's Electro uh, reprising his role as Electro, but maybe not the Electro from Amazing Spider Man Two. 
I can like I can I can roll with that. Um, we know that we have J. Joe Jameson already uh, played by J.K. Simmons, and he's a different version of J. Jonah, which is like that's cool. But when you start gaining a little bit too much with these other actors that have played these roles, and you bring them in, like for instance, like the Doc Ock, like I don't know if he is Doc Ock from the Raimi verse or if he's going to be like much like Jamie Fox, he's just playing Doc Ock in the new MCU. I don't know, man. I think it's just it's kind of taking away a little bit of some of the importance of what the MCU's done so well. And I think if we're bringing in all these kind of characters, it's something you need to build up towards, yes, as opposed I to agree. just like throwing it down on one film. Especially when we're coming off the heels of um, Far From Home, where I think they developed something really cool to kind of tackle the next movie by itself without having to get so involved with all these things. And um, doing this is just, it's a, it's a weird move. It's its almost like a like an identity crisis of some sorts for like the Spider-Man. Like, I feel like the cool thing, because Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was really cool. The movie, right? Like, that was awesome. It's very Miles uh, Morales-centric. But we got all the other Spider-Man in there. And that was cool. But for me, like the core Spider-Verse from the comic books written by Dan Slott is amazing. But the cool thing was, is like at that point, like it's very clear who the main Spider-Man is, which is the 616 Peter Parker. And that Peter Parker is set to kind of be the one to tackle the whole issues where I feel like we're having like an Andrew Garfield, which is, you know, it's one of my favorite Spider-Mans. And you're having like the Toby and you're having uh, the Tom Holland. It's just so many different Peter Parkers. It's kind of like, it's not like that distinguishable mainstay Peter Parker. It's like, whose film does this really become? I, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, Tom Holland's been in the, the seat for quite a while now. He's done quite a bit of films as Spider-Man. He's still looked at as the kid Spider-Man and not like that 616, like 25 plus year old Spider-Man. That should be like leading the Spider-Verse. And since we haven't had like a longstanding film out of like the Andrew or the Toby those guys aren't quite qualified either to be like the mainstay Spider-Man. You know what I mean? So I feel like in a way it's just kind of, it's very weird timing. And I just, I don't feel like they need to do this. Like for me, a Spider-Verse film live action is almost like the story you tell when you ran out of telling like the symbiote saga or, um, six or the Cravens or, you know what I mean? The Kingpins, like those kinds of things. It's just, it's just kind of an odd choice to do now. So I don't know. I mean, if it happens, it happens. But I, I got to say, like, I'm a big Spider-Man guy. But of all like, the Spider-Man films that have come up from, like, you know, from the, from the, the Raimi-verse and to the, the Mark Webb, this, like, stuff that I'm hearing is kind of, like, the least excited I've been for a Spider-Man film. Because I just, I just don't feel like it has any place in the MCU right now. You mentioned Doctor Strange. That's cool. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. But um, when you're just throwing in all these random characters from other Spider-Man films, I'm just like, what? And like, I think Doctor Octopus, like, that's a great character to bring in a Spider-Man film. Of course, that's like my favorite villain, one of my favorite villains in the Spider-Man mythos. But like, let's have someone else play Doc Ock right now. Like, mm-hmm. why would we want to go back to the same actor who's way older now playing that role? And we're coming off the heels of Spider-Man PS4, which that Doctor Octopus was yes. incredible incredible yeah. so it's like why are we gonna go like we've already seen that we can do a new doc Ock without having to go back to that guy let's let's keep moving forward here so i don't know about this one man i'm, I'm pretty mixed up it's pretty mixed. it's an extremely ambitious project yeah with a studio that is notorious for being meticulous and building towards things right like yeah like it took them 23 films to say avengers assembled and here, here we are. Here we are getting into the Spider Verse, and I agree with you. Like, I'm going to be all over this when it comes out. Like, and I know you mm-hmm. will too. And like, I'm going to really consume this this concept and idea. And I, I like it. I like the 
like the ambition behind it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I agree that it needs to be built too. Like this is going to be a story where, to be honest with you, and I think you've said this before, we haven't had a Spider-Man, a Peter Parker on his own yet. Yeah. Right? This yeah. He's always had a very large supporting cast around him, whether it's Tony Stark when, you know, Doc Strange and all the Spider-Men here. Far From Home, you had the legacy of Doc Strange, or uh, uh, Tony Stark, I should say. Tony Stark, yeah. And you had Mysterio. Mysterio, and you had the backing of Happy Hogan. and Yeah. You just haven't Fury s- even. Yeah, yeah, you haven't seen him do his thing yet. Yeah, Fury, of course. Yeah. yeah. And this, I think it's to be cool, but to me, if you drag this out, even into two or three films, and this is, I've always said, this is your way to exit Holland from the MCU efficiently. Yeah. But to have this embedded in the MCU, it seems like they're racing maybe for the first time to catch DC on this multiverse stuff. And maybe, like, realistically, when you look at this, this is meant to come out December of next year. They could beat DC to the multiverse punch. And DC had been seeding the idea for quite a bit longer, right? (laughs) And I, like I said, I'm going to be into this and I'm going to bury my head in the sand to, to the naysayers. But at the end of the day, I recognize that this is very quick, very ambitious, and it seems ill-timed in the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially with all these delays happening. Like if this is yeah. effectively the third film next year where you have Black Widow, Eternals, and, and this in December, I think it is. Like yeah. that's, that's very, very quick off the back of Endgame when you're kind of, you don't have any builds into that. Like, Black Widow mm-hmm. being a prequel, Eternals being something completely different, and then you're hitting the face with this. So, like, Sonny, man, what are your what are your thoughts on this concept of this expanding Spider Verse that we're seeing inside of the MCU? Yeah, man. Like on the offset, like it sounds like an interesting and a neat idea, um, but then when you like think about it, like this is going to be the fourth time I'm hearing about this multiverse concept. I, you know, it's a cool idea. I just don't want them to like beat it to death. You know what I mean? Actually, I guess it's like the fifth time because you had okay, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Then you had uh, DC's Crisis on Infinite Earths with all the CW shows crossing over. You know, you got Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness. You got the Flash film where he's supposed to go hop in and out. And then now you got this. It's like too much of a good thing. I think like audiences will be like, I just saw this, you know, and like the shock value will like go down each and every time where it's just like, oh yeah, he's going into the multiverse again. Oh yeah, he's going in there now. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, yeah, it was like a really cool idea when they're like, Doctor Strange is going to do all these like weird stuff and Flash is going to team up with Michael Keaton's Batman. And you're like, yeah, man, like that's cool. They each have their own one. You know, it was kind of like when BVS and Civil War came out when they had their like battle movies you know right right across from each other oh, the verses right yeah the verses yeah. yeah and then daredevil um, punisher too at the same year that's right yeah right yeah, it's yeah. like it, it's almost just like they like get like a cool idea and then they're just like we got to beat this to death and it's just like i don't know like are we gonna see like a ninja turtles movie where they go back in time and meet like the 90s ninja turtles like <laughs> the suits or like the cgi <laughs> stuff like you know like where's the end for this you know like it's a cool idea but like sometimes you don't want to like you know, less is more, as they say. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like, definitely, I think, like, Spider-Verse was such a cool film. Like, I love that film. Because um, it it was, like, for the first time, you got to see, like, on the big screen, like, this multiverse concept. And then, 
Um, now it's just like, okay, I guess this will be like the first film that it comes out in. And like, I'm still getting, like, I'm still like super excited for this. Um, but I'm just like hesitant about the idea and of it being a little bit overdone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the slow motion of the Matrix. When the first time you saw that, when like he's like Neo's dodging the bullets, you're like, "Oh, that's so cool!" And then like the eighth time you saw it, you're just like, "Ah, slow motion again." <laughs> <laughs> Carlos, fast ben, forward it, fast forward it. Bring your voice to the discussion here about the idea and concept of the Spider Verse and and bringing in all these legacy characters from every Spider-Man iteration since 2000. Yeah, man, it's interesting to just kind of sit back and watch because I like Troy. I knew was kind of bullish on the Spider Verse, but then just listening to him talk through it, he almost felt like what Kevin Feige's thought process was. As Avi Arad was like, "We got to get out there and we got to get our Spider Verse going so that you can have Spider Man, we'll have Spider Man, Miles Morales, everything. The Venom is coming in and the Carnage, and the kids love this stuff." So. Like, that's obvious. That's him. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, as you're talking through that, I could see Avi, and you're like, you're like Kevin Feige's Jiminy Cricket, doing exactly <laughs> what Tim was saying, where it's like, we spent 23 movies building up to Avengers Assemble, yeah, and you want to do it all, yeah, all in this movie. So, and then the other piece of it, it's like, well, are they building to a Spider Verse? Which is something I think will ring hollow for a massive part of the general audience without Miles Morales, who's not going to yes. be in this. I don't think. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be something that they have to address, I think. Um, but also, are they jumping not only to Spider Verse but to Sinister Six? Yes, because you'll have a spider, you'll have a vulture and a Mysterio from Holland. Um, Garfield will give you Electro. A, an electro and a rhino, oh. and then please you have. Please not the rhino, please no. Yeah, and then you have Doc Ock and whoever else. Like you can, Venom. like Thomas Hayden Church is kicking around, or you could have. <laughs> well, Sandman. Well, Sandman's from Raimi's verse too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. Tom and yeah. So I. What's I don't James know, like... Franco doing? Can he come back as Harry Osborn? Yeah, I, I don't know about that, man. It's just do have that. a. Goblin, right from him. Yes, and you have a goblin from Garfield too mm-hmm. that you could. Yeah, Dane DeHaan. Yeah, the Goblin yeah. Multiverse movie. He, well, and this is the problem. This is what happened in Spider-Man Three, right? There's too much in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not having the time to digest these concepts is what I'm more worried about. As I think people will buy into the idea. Oh, it's cool. You get to see all these Spider-Man and all this stuff and whatever, but. Like to get true buy into this concept, like you're gonna burn through the Spider Verse in one film. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the other yeah. thing too is like the Spider Men, like Troy said, are all in awkward places, mm-hmm. and like you literally only had a fully formed Spider Man. Like, and I, I like the Holland Spider Man as the Spider Man of the MCU, and I can dig that Tony Stark is the replacement for Uncle Ben because that's the mechanic in that version of the character's lore mm-hmm. but even with that he was only the fully formed fully realized spider-man when he's on that plane building his own spider suit mm-hmm. at the end of the that last movie yeah. and it's not like you can have a bunch of growth for the character happen off screen because your post credit scene tells you right away that's your jumping on point because yeah. you can't you haven't had any time right so 
you have this Spider-Man at the beginning of his career who's going to be now undermined by a Garfield Spider-Man who was riding pretty high in yeah. his and who was pretty popular. And then you have the Maguire Spider-Man who's, I don't know, we refer to him as crying Spidey in our house. So <laughs> that's, that's, my kids dubbed him that when they were little and he has remained crying Spidey to this yeah. day. So um, <laughs> it'll be cool, like you said, to to see it all. But I, I don't think people have done the math as much as we have here no. when... No, and put it, together their tweets. When you look at, or when you said, sorry, when you said Miles Morales there, the first thing in my head was like, they're going to introduce him in this film. It's going to be another layer of complexity because I think you're mm-hmm. right. Like they can't not do that. They have to mm-hmm. bring Miles. And so when he's going to want a Miles franchise, like you could run that parallel sure. to whatever you're doing, right? Just have it in a separate universe. doesn't matter. And this, this is the other thing is this multiverse thing opens up everything right you no longer have linear storytelling it can be and endgame kind of messed around with that anyways with, with time travel and all that but they seem to put kind of a somewhat of a cap on it like they still had the i guess the mechanics to do it but they kind of padded everything out and said okay we're back to this linear storytelling and they're always going to go with this alternate reality sort of thing mm-hmm. but this just it's just a lot and i think like you said carlos we've done a lot of the math around this a lot of people probably won't do that and probably be like, oh, it's cool. I can see four Spider-Man in a film fighting the yeah. Sinister Six. But like the MCU and Feige has taught us is that it takes time to get to that battle. Like that is a big battle, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe that's going to happen in the Sony-verse and the only way they could get these characters was, or at least Holland back for a couple of films, was to commit to this right Fuggy might be a oh, bit handcuffed with i can almost guarantee you yeah, yeah with all of this so, so so with this thing too like two quick little things but it's like one is there a possibility that all these characters we're hearing about are just quick cameos like are we getting like flashes mm. it could or be like it's gonna be a big old yeah i okay. i think that's what it'll be like where it's just like you'll have your sinister six or whatever it is mm-hmm. wrecking havoc and then although the integration of the love interests is kind of weird too right because mm. at first i had it in my head that they were gonna do the doctor strange thing make some circles and get some backup spideys to help them out mm. right but yeah now that you have like a mary jane and uh gwen stacy being Stacey involved yeah. but yeah. like for the story to make sense they have to take holland out of the mcu do they not because like w- like why would they have Okay, we just finished Endgame. We just had like this great team up, save the world. Everyone's done their thing. And then the rest of the MCU is going to let Holland fight the Sinister Six to the point where he's got to be like, Doc, man, you got to you gotta pull in some Spider-Man from other Spider-Universe. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, like, see, well, that, yeah. that, that, That's that leads hard. me to my next thing is like everything we've heard so far, like we haven't really been told like, like who would be a proper villain like because like for me like the books like spider-verse like the villains make a lot of sense and they're fantastic it's um it's more lynn and he's basically like him and his brothers or like the vampires that feast only on spiders spider like mm-hmm. beans like a miles like a mm-hmm. spider gwen and i know obviously the miles morales uh movie did it completely different but even when i saw that movie i was kind of scratching my head a little bit being like kingpin is like your big bad for a multiverse yeah. And so if you're coming to a live action film and we're coming off of Endgame and we've looked at like the buildup of like Thanos of what that guy can do. Now, essentially, you're doing that. But for a Spider-Man film in one film, 
and we don't have a like like a defined bad guy like because for me like electro was not like a big bad and Mm -hmm. green goblin is not your big bad when it comes to deal with a bunch of spider-man and even if you want to go like the sinister six well that's just kind of weird like you have a bunch of different villains from the sinister six teaming up from the multiverse to make basically still the sinister six it's it's just really weird so yeah this whole thing to me is just it sounds off and this is still meant to be a follow-up to far from home mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any, mm-hmm. any sense yeah. when peter's identity has just kind of been revealed to everyone and now we're doing like a spy it's just all kind of messy so they'll Could probably be, use like the other spider-man to like be like, okay you go do like spider-man stuff and like Tom Holland will just like stand around and be like, "See, I'm not Spider Man. I'm, I'm here while Spider Man's doing all the Spider stuff." Yeah, maybe Kang. I just had the thought. Yeah. So they had like a multiverse kind of concept in the Lego Marvel Two game, and cool. Kang was the big bad in that. But they just cast Kang, right? Right. Yeah. With the the fella from Lovecraft County. Yeah. So right. Jonathan Majors. Right. Was that sorry? It's about to pop up in Ant Man three, I think. Yeah. Is that what they're saying? Yeah. So it's maybe just, that's your big bad to facilitate a multiverse. I don't know. Right. It, it's just maybe it's the retrospect that we do and the involvement we have and how ingrained we are into this universe and invested in the storytelling and the narrative and all that that's been weaved through all this. But if you're throwing Kang or yet another villain, like you're saying, Troy, mm-hmm. like that's a ton of work to do in two hours. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's gonna be hard enough to say here's Hall. Like I guess you can do it spinny circles and people walk through or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. I don't think you need to ask the audience too much, but to maintain the quality of storytelling, that's just it. You can't just feed everything through exposition and be like, "There's a multiverse," and here's and 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 guys, yeah. I understand that they did some of this in Endgame that they just had the ancient one explain time in a certain way that fit in an era. Like I get that. But to me, that's earned, that sort of exposition. This, I don't know. I, I'm a big on earning the the fan or earning the audience's response to something and educating them in a certain way, in a certain fashion, that you deserve that sort of, of liberty with the storytelling, that you can just kind of do something like that. And maybe I make excuses for the MCU. It's not perfect by any means, but... Something like this just feels it feels off right now. I agree, man. Yeah. I just there's something I feel like we're missing a piece of the puzzle here, like a big chunk of it. Yeah. And but maybe I'm sure it's just sorry, go ahead, Carlos. I was gonna say maybe they'll pull it off, or maybe like a couple years from now we'll be watching John Watts Spider Man three on Disney Plus after the uh, <laughs> Yeah, after <laughs> Yeah, it'll be a, a six episode <laughs> miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was just like, are we so sure this is just one film? You know, maybe they'll make this two film deal where it's just like, okay, part one, introduce them, set it up, you know, introduce maybe the Sinister Six, who knows? And then the second film, you set up like the conclusion. You know, like the only way, yeah, maybe, because the only way I could see that is that they're taking advantage of film scheduling and they're filming pieces of or filming all the Holland spots for two films right Mm. now and then going back and filling in a weird way like there like i could maybe see that but all indications point this is being one film like as far as i know too like holland's got one one solo and then one crossover left in the contract right right? before he scoots out into the sony spider-verse which like to me that's very obvious what they're doing now (laughs) like they're gonna yank them out use them in but leave the mcu in some fashion where 
it's people will be like, oh yeah, Spider Man's gone. We can call him back someday if we need him. <laughs> I'm telling so. you, Troy and I had all those movies set perfectly <laughs> yes. on my front walkway, yep. man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 100%. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. We, well, had, we had this movie, Venom, and Fantastic Four's introduction. Yes. Set beautifully. Yes. Yep. Yep. Kevin Feige, give these guys a call. Nah, Absolutely. Man. We could do, we could do a up. few things. <laughs> and if you guys get picked up, you know, remember Uncle Sanjay who told Kevin Feige to pick you guys up, you know, throw me some of that uh... 4K love streaming service only. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be like, can this guy have a free Disney Plus yeah. subscription? And, and then they'll look at it and be like, it's seven bucks a month, bro. Like, it's like half of Netflix. <laughs> but uh, speaking of streaming services, well, let's talk about Ooh, next nice year. Let's, let's talk about 2021. Now, WB put out what I would call a landmark declaration last week regarding their 2021 film slate. We knew that Wonder Woman 84 was going to HBO Max day and date with the theatrical release because of the global pandemic, of course. And we're actually going to see this film. I don't think we're going to see it anymore because I think all the theaters are closed as of Sunday for at least a month. But nonetheless, our American friends will be able to see Wonder Woman Christmas Day. Open the presents, boom, put on Wonder Woman 84. How great would that be, guys? We don't, and we unfortunately don't have that access up here. But it looks like Wonder Woman 84 will stick on HBO Max for about a month, and then it will disappear and then probably pop back up at the end of a theatrical window in some sort of premium VOD or VOD, whatever you want to call it. But it seems that WB took that template that they put for Wonder Woman and now have expanded that with this announcement to their entire 2021 release slate. This is huge, guys. We've been chronicling the idea and the concept of streaming services really consuming the film industry in a major way, and this all being expedited very, very much so by the pandemic. So next year, we're going to see films like Matrix 4, Dune, The Suicide Squad, a Will Smith film has been popped out. I can't remember the name of but I, like their entire film slate, which is upwards, I think, of 10, 12 films maybe that are going to be going day and date on HBO Max, which is that like, this is big, big stuff for a major studio to be taking all their films. And for the most part, basically pushing aside the theaters. Now, so it's 17 films. I'm just reading here, guys. Sorry. Now this has been, I think brewing in the background for a long time. This is something that we kind of, I think had expected in some capacity, but for it to actually be in front of us now and be at a whole year. And the executives at Warner media are saying, this is only for next year because we don't have any confidence in the theaters being opened and 2022 and beyond is all going to be different. I think that's, that's probably an incorrect statement and something to just temper the, the theater industry itself. Now let's, let's get some commentary around this guys. And then we'll bring in Nolan's comments or one of you guys can bring in Nolan's comments because he is quite adamantly against and opposed to what Warner Brothers is doing here. So, Carlos, you're, you've been pretty close and pretty plugged into the whole concept of Warner Media and what they're transitioning to with HBO Max. But this announcement itself, like, I, I don't know about if it was the same for you, but this really took me by surprise that they bluntly put this out there. Yeah, man. And it was, yeah, it's something that's just been at the forefront of my mind for like, a week now i was blessed to 
get asked to take a spot on the Straight Outta Gotham podcast. Mm-hmm. They did a live stream and teamed up with the guys from the Vigilante 1939 podcast. So shout out to both those shows and thank you for letting the Nerd Room have a spot in your space. And I'm sure we'll collaborate again. But uh, we had some pretty good discussion around this. And, um, you know, it was uh, kind of both sides of the of the house were served where there's people that are very much in favor of this strategy by Warner Brothers. And there's people that are very much married to the traditional theatrical uh, release model. But like, like you said, we've been kind of tiptoeing towards this point anyways, and the pandemic just supercharged the move to streaming and the consumer choice piece and how people like to uh, consume movies. And I say that as a guy, like, I go to the movies all the time Mm -hmm. and that's like full ride. We don't have anything like the AMC pass or anything like that up here. Like uh, I love going to the movies, but the reality is, is that the paradigm was shifting and in 2020, we no longer live in the same world that we did in March of this year. So like all due respect to the people whose wallets are going to get a little lighter. Um, but I I do think that Warner Brothers is just kind of making the move that they have to make in light of where people's sensibilities are and what the reality is for the theater industry. Because the first person to take a COVID vaccination happened hours before we recorded it in the UK. However, I don't think that people are going to be widely inoculated until the fall of next year kind of thing. That's where all four of us stand in on our provincial vaccination list we're fall next year yeah so you're talking about sunny i'm 97 yeah. years old i'm going to the front of the line i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah so what are you gonna do like just have these movies stacked up and piled on top of each other like we talked last like the reality is is that warner brothers has paid for these movies mm-hmm. they've paid the people to create them in some cases they've paid millions of dollars to market them and so the expectation is that the person who owns the property because the film is property and they've bought and paid for that property, um, that they just sit on it. And like I mentioned a couple of records ago, like it's costing MGM $1 million a month, just in interest to sit on James Bond. So you want them to sit on 17 films until they maybe could eventually release those movies. And like, Granted, Wonder Woman is the big, shiny, beautiful blockbuster that they have coming. But, like, are you going to be paying, like, massive amounts of interest and eating the marketing spend on something like Dune that, I don't know, like, out of the four of us, I'm maybe the only one that was going to go? Well, (laughs) Troy's the big Denny V fan, right? So Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. Like, I'm kind of Team Warner Brothers on this one where it's, like, you have to do what's best for your business. And you have an asset, so you move that asset forward. The future is streaming, and if this is a way to goose HBO Max subscriptions for a year, um, so be it. And I think it'll be beyond that, because like I've said many times on this podcast, like HBO, for my money, has the best content. Like, they historically have. Like, they were in that uh, premium cable Mm -hmm. gig decades ago kind of thing right so like 
they were putting out the Sopranos when Netflix was just a thought in the back of somebody's mind kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know. That, that's kind of where I stand on it. It's just, it might be a little pragmatic and a, and a bit harsh, but I think it's just the reality of the world that COVID created for us mm-hmm. and just the business. Yeah. So it's, it's such an interesting paradigm that we sit in here and that fact that everything is moving at lightning speed. And the microscope mm-hmm. has been put on this because I think everywhere has been affected and affected permanently by the pandemic, but the film industry, and because we have so much focus on it here in the podcast, it seemingly is, is being abruptly changed in a, what I would consider a probably irreversible way that yeah. where some other places and some other businesses might be able to shift back like restaurants and all this might be able to shift back into a pre COVID sort of sensibility and the way they function as businesses. I don't think that's going to change too dramatically, but this here, this is a game changer. I I put this on the scale from business as like your, your Blackberry is not evolving. Your Kodak's not evolving. Your Blockbuster is not evolving. Like to me, this is the similar scale, at least in concept, maybe your skills of economy are, are a little bit different here because you're dealing with billions of dollars in this sense, as opposed to, you know, millions, maybe in the case of some of those companies, but this is moving so fast and there's been so many changes. Like even go back to our conversations three, four months ago, we probably weren't even thinking about this exact concept happening in just three months time where uh, you have this, like even go back to the discussions, AMC and universal and that big pissing match that they had there with regards to shortening the release window to 17 days or whatever it was. Right. That was big news. Now we're talking about whole slates of films that are flipping to, to the streaming service and, just completely obliterating the theatrical window into zero. So Sanjay, you, you sit kind of on the other side of this coin, I believe. I believe this is <laughs> yeah. what was, was being alluded to here. And before you kind of bring this, I want to bring Nolan's comments. This is Christopher Nolan. He is a staunch WB guy. He's been making films there for a very long time, very successful filmmaker. He has some interesting quotes, and one being, some of our industry's biggest filmmakers and most important movie stars went to bed the night before thinking they were working for the greatest movie studio and woke up to find they were working for the worst streaming service. So <laughs> those are extremely raw and very blunt statements from Nolan. And he clearly sits on the same side as I believe you are, Sonny, man. Like, what are your thoughts on this one? It's always good to sit on the same side as the greatest filmmaker working today. So, you know, I just like my position where I'm at right now. Uh, (laughs) um, My thoughts, look, guys, I get it. 2020 sucks. It's a scary place out there right now. I don't want to be venturing out to the theaters right now with cases rising where we're at. Wonder Woman 84, I get it, man. I get it. Like, release it on streaming, release it in theaters same day. That way, if you have the ability to go to a theater to see it and you want to, and you're safe to do it, you can do it. Otherwise, you can watch it in the safety and comfort at your own home. That sounds wonderful to me. 2020, yes, I agree. I'm right there with you guys. Wonder Woman 84 had to be done that way because they just kept pushing it off and it was just going to become an afterthought. Um, 2021, you know, um, when you look at it, yeah, at at the beginning of 2021, it's going to be much of the same stuff. Um, But eventually things are going to turn, man. Like eventually when uh, the vaccine is rolled out and we're all, you know, we're all got our superpowers and we're all good to go. I think like everything's going to like turn and like you're going to see a mass exodus of people who have been cooped up at home for a year, 
or longer and they're not going to want to stay at home. You know, they're going to be like, look, I've been forced at home for the greater good. And I sat at home and I did that, man. You know, I stayed at home. I missed weddings. I missed birthdays. I missed anniversaries. I missed eating out. I missed all this shit for a year thinking that there was a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think like once life, you know, after COVID ends and we're all have this vaccine and we're all like back to like living our life. I think you're going to see like the reverse. I think people just the way human nature is. I think people are going to be like, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I I bleep that. So it's all good. Future Tim's problem. (laughs) I think people are going to say, look, man, I don't want to be at home. You know, I've been at home for a year and I sacrificed. I'm going to go out to the theater and I'm going to go out to a restaurant. I'm going to go out and support this. And I'm not saying that's going to be anytime soon. Look, I know it's going to be a long time until we all feel safe and comfortable to leave our houses again. And it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve and it's going to be a little bit of a learning process doing that again. You know, it's going to feel weird when we all go out shopping and you know, we're not wearing masks and, you know, we bump into someone and we say sorry and we don't just like, oh man, I got to like sanitize my hands, you know, it's going to take a long time to get back to that guys, but we're going to get back to that. And I think it's going to be like, it's, you're going to see like this boom of like people going traveling because they haven't been able to travel. You're going to see a boom of people, um, you know, doing all this stuff that we haven't been able to do, right? It's kind of like when you tell your kids, you can't do that. And then they're like, well, now I kind of want to touch the stove because they said I couldn't, right? And it, you're going to see that where like people are going to like go out. And I think streaming, yeah, okay, it's more convenient and maybe like the price, the price is better, sure. But like that's it. Like that's the only two things that like has going for it. The quality's not there. Um, you know, the experience isn't there. It's kind of like going through a drive through at McDonald's and grabbing a 99 cent burger as opposed to going out to like a fancy restaurant with your wife and having a $40 steak. <laughs> so you're comparing you know? a McDonald's burger to, to McDonald's burgers like Netflix, service? man. Like <laughs> Netflix is just like convenient and cheap. That's the only thing it has going for it. Uh, the theater, if you man, look that up, is like, a the, blunt. That is, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but that there, is man. not correct. Netflix, yeah. Netflix cannot compete with theaters. Like just the experience of it. Like, Carlos, man, you always talk about seeing Batman 89 in theaters, right? You remember what you were wearing. You remember what you were doing that day. I still remember where I was to see The Dark Knight. I still remember going to The Grudge with my wife. Uh, At then, it was our first date. Like, the theater is like this experience. I remember, like, getting buddies together to see The Dark Knight Rises at a midnight showing uh, at a movie theater. I couldn't tell you the last time I had, like, I could tell you, like, oh, I sat down and watched a streaming thing. Um, and like, for me, I just think this is like short-sighted, like I get it and I support it in the short term because I think it's a necessary evil, but in the long term, I'm with like Christopher Nolan, like this thing is just, it's not good, man. It's not good. Like evolution works in one direction, man. Like, I think evolution, it works in one direction. Like, yeah, but like, I I totally, I totally get it, man. But I, I've seen streaming come in and it kicked out all blockbusters it kicked out all like the whole movie industry and now it's like coming in 
and it's going to kick out theaters and you just got to ask yourself like is streaming really worth it like you gotta i mean if, if it is for you hey man that's cool you do you but for me it's not like i just i can you imagine the first time tim if you saw jurassic park on your phone or on a laptop what? and you see the big dinosaur reveal and you're just like oh i think that's a brontosaurus I'm not sure. I can't really see. I think, Let me but I think the, the step that you're missing there is I don't think we're going back to, to pre-COVID in theaters, but there's a hybrid model out there where your tent poles are in theaters, but a lot of your movies are streaming and very quickly. It, I think it's just a reality of the situation. That, like yeah. it's Troy, like man. Those, like mid like $30 million budget films that were kind of misplaced before COVID hit where people are like, where are those mid-sized budgets? I could buy that if they have like a hybrid theater and, and streaming. And so the, I agree with you with the experience. And I've had some of the greatest experience in theaters with you guys over the last couple of years. And I don't want to mm -hmm. lose that. And I don't think we're going to lose theaters holistically. But the films that are smaller that are maybe made specifically for the theaters and for that experience, I don't know if you're going to see them in the theaters anymore. And you might get more eyeballs on those on a streaming service. Anyways, Troy, man, like, I know that you're, you're a supporter of the streaming service, but you're also a supporter of the movie going experience. Where do where do you sit on this, man? I know that we've had lots of discussions, but this is a, this is a big bombshell announcement from WB. No, yeah. In my opinion, man, nothing beats the theater experience. It's, it's, it's the best thing ever. Uh, I've gone on and on, you know, just, um, not too long ago watching empire for the first time on the big screen. Mm -hmm. And that was like one of the best things, you know, ever. And then obviously I saw seen Endgame and infinity war and force awakens, you know, like just it's phenomenal stuff. Uh, homecoming. I mean, come on, <laughs> but, um, but the convenience, right. That's the thing. You just, you can't beat that convenience of something coming straight to your place, not VOD, but just straight to, your platform whether it's in hbo max but the thing is for me it's like so i don't want to really like for my, myself get into like the whole streaming debate and whatnot i'll, I'll just kind of go in off of uh off of wb and i feel like i feel like wb uh making this announcement or hbo max making their announcement of you know doing the whole what 17 films coming out for 2021 which is cool and it sounds very you know intriguing for a new customer um, over here in Canada, we can't really mm -hmm. get our hands on it properly anyway. So that's kind of a disservice for their their platform. But I feel like probably a lot of these guys like Nolan and like many other film directors or creators, um, they probably wish they got the heads up that Patty Jenkins yeah. and WB <laughs> Wonder Woman 84 got. Because a lot of these people are probably like, wait, like... Like what? Like obviously we've all been following the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 84 process of release. And obviously they sat down, figured it out. And we all kind of knew as an audience of what was going on with that, what, December 25th, I think comes out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Wonder mm -hmm. Woman 84. Whereas a lot of these other films that are coming out were probably had no idea, literally had no idea that their movie that they thought was going to be on the big screen for Sonny's eyes only was going to, uh, to now only be on, you know, on your smartphone. That seems and to be on, the sentiment going around. Yeah, that they did not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? So I, I, I would be bummed, man. I, I'd totally be bummed. And, I, you know, and, and it's cool. Like, yeah, they, they, they've been paid. But sometimes it's not always about the money, right? Mm. It's like, Film, is it's definitely a platform that they've always been used to since forever uh, on the big screen. And for them to have that taken away, that that, that sucks. But I get it, right? Obviously, you know, it's uh, it's showbiz. It's a business. So they have to do what's right on their part, HBO Max. But uh, but for me, man, yeah, I'm, st I'm still rooting for, for the theaters to forever go on, man, because I just, I, I, I love it. I yeah. love, I love, like, obviously what we're getting with, like, um, 
the Mandalorian. I love like that platform, and I'm, I, I'm, you know, every Friday I'm there. I'm waiting for those shows to drop. Mm. But I pick and choose something like that. The boys, cool, works for me. But like an MCU film, man, um, I'm all in for a theatrical release. But what I do like is with the streaming stuff, um, it's the Oscars, man. The Oscars has always been a pain to kind of yeah. follow because you can't always mm-hmm. get to the, uh, the theatrical releases to see these things. So for me, that's a big component to be like, okay, I can watch like every nominated mm-hmm. film basically now if it's coming to uh, right to your house. So yeah. that's I think that's a win at least. And a lot of these films will, will now get the chance. To, you know, a lot of uh, a lot exactly. of people can actually see these films, right? Because a lot of times people yeah. skip the Oscars because like, well, I couldn't make it out to theaters to see uh, Shape of Water, you know. But but now there's no excuse. Now it's it's right to your house. Yeah, man. And that's kind of where I had like the problem with Christopher Nolan's comments and a few of the other people because it's like art is meant to be seen and experienced. And it takes me back to like the old Napster days. And I remember the one guy who came out who was an artist in defense of Napster was Prince. Because Prince is like, yo, I make music for people to enjoy and to share with the world. This is my art, and I want people to have it in whatever way they can kind of thing. And then he dropped like an album or two um, on Napster just so that people could have it kind of thing. And that, wow. like, that always stuck with me. And ironically, I think he was signed by Warner Brothers at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that when he changed his name to a symbol so he could get out of his contract or something? Yeah, it was kind of the same era. But that guy has always been like that. And you, for like my generation of musicians, like I am ride or die with MJ. Yeah. But like if you're talking about an artist who creates for the pure love of the art, like I got to give it up to Prince, man. Like that guy... That guy was the key. So, like, I take all the things that guys like Nolan and some of the other people are saying with a grain of salt because I guarantee you all these quote-unquote sources are the agents who Hollywood Reporter and Deadline are talking to. And the thing that they don't want to see go away with the theatrical releases is the back ends or, like, the if this movie reaches a billion, then this is what your bonus is or yada, 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 right? Like, I right. like there's a point in this conversation where it turns to, are you cheering for the millionaires or are you cheering for the billionaires? And it's like, well, no, I don't, I, I don't really care about either of you. Like, you know, I, I don't care if Chris Evans makes $20 million for a movie because for me, the star of the movie is Captain America. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, just find some good looking blonde guy who can act and yeah, walk away from Chris Evans. Cause Steve Rogers and Captain America is the star. Like, quite frankly, I feel that way about gal. It's like, you guys are throwing money at her hand over fist, but Wonder Woman is actually the star. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's not so much this actress kind of thing, and that's not to take anything away from her. But like, like I said, it, and I, it's just kind of my soapbox. Like I'm the same way when like the sports teams go on player strikes, and it's like, yeah, the hockey players are walking out, and it's the millionaires fighting with the billionaires about hitting a urinal basket with a stick like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean you bring up a good point but like with napster think about like how the music industry has changed like people don't buy cds anymore they just buy singles you know what i mean like people go out and just like but is that a bad thing because i'll tell you as like a 90s kid like how many terrible albums did we buy that had (laughs) one good song on them Mm -hmm. the song that was on the radio and an okay song that you forced yourself to like, 
because everything else was terrible, but you spent your like 15 bucks on this cassette. <laughs> I don't know, man. I find a ton of like albums that I had where there'd be like a song that the radio just never played. Yeah. That I ended up like loving. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, man, like, what is this? Like, track seven. Like, but what? You, yeah. you can still get I kinda, that. I kind of feel that. Exactly. I kind of feel that. But like, like and even like Napster's, generation. it's a good example of the idea of business disruption, which Nolan points out in one of his quotes here and saying, that he can't see the difference between, or he believes at least Warner Brothers can't see the difference between business disruption and dysfunction, where dysfunction is you're just making random decisions and disruption is you're making calculated changes to the business to evolve it in a direction which is going. And I think Warner Brothers is probably at the tip of the sword here when it comes to disruption of this industry. Napster in itself was disruption. It forced the entire music industry in a few short years online. Where you could buy, you didn't have to go to a CD store anymore, you know? And like, yes, I agree that. I still do. <laughs> that, yeah, but it, it takes away some elements of it, but it also gives you other things, right? In return from yeah. it. It makes it music accessible anywhere on the planet. doesn't matter where you are. As long as you have an internet connection, you can get some yeah, music. Yeah, but, but you know, I, I kind of feel sunny actually when he brings up that argument. Because I know for me, when it came to the music, you buy the CD, you get the tracks, you get like the the record producer the writer you get all that information and you you learn that track like if you go back to probably those days Sonny could probably like list off most of like the track titles not just like the numbers but the titles but nowadays i know i'm going on a tangent because we're talking about music now but <laughs> when you go when you go to music now it's like you just know like okay that's track number five barely like, you barely know the title of the song mm -hmm. like now you like you get the song or the album and you listen to it within like a day or two and then you're done with it whereas back in mm -hmm. the day like when the cd would come out like you would absorb that for like months yeah. and months and months and i kind of like you know if, if movies are coming at me that way well that that kind of like scares me a little bit because i want to like really you know nourish that film and not just go on to the next one if that mm -hmm. makes any sense but oh totally and like maybe who knows you see like the way movies are going who knows if like okay movies won't be like a two-hour thing they'll be like trying to get like gifts or like little clips that people can post online so then this is like that's kind of the way is that the way the movie quality is going to go right. where it's just like singles right where it's just like okay well big fight scene because that's cool and then there's no like two-hour backstory you know what i mean like it we're not getting that album or that full movie experience. Yeah. We're just getting the hits. And that's and is what that Woody the way... tried. Sorry, is isn't that what Quib Quibbly or whatever? Oh, yeah. I think that's oh, yeah. Yeah. they tried that, didn't they? They tried the five-minute, ten-minute films or something? Yeah. It's only yeah. The, on their show over a phone. Like, that's something they did try, and that, that bombed. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 And I, I don't totally. think this shift is going to change the quality of filmmaking. Like, I, I don't mm -hmm. think it's going... Like, I think, if anything, like, you look at the quality we're getting on these streaming services, right? that there's tangible money there to invest in this stuff and they see a future for return on it. And like you look at the Mandalorian, it's a 45 minute movie every single week. Like mm -hmm. you can't tell the difference between that and what they would put us on Star Wars on screen, you know, spending $200 well, million. Well, look at the Mandalorian versus Solo, right? Yeah. They kind of take place in that in-between trilogy spaces and what's the more enjoyable product right and they came out within years of each other yeah. so it's not like there's a massive like decade separation between the two but the, but that one's tough because i say like like for me like, and i've been raving i think mandalorian is by far better one is hard because it's a, it's a show so you're getting a longer uh mm -hmm. format for telling the story but i think visually i definitely give it to solo like solo definitely looks much better and i think it's a bigger budget yes. even still if you're to compare um but i think it's the people you have on it's the people because it's it's Favreau, it's Filoni, 
it's it's those guys know Star Wars. When you look at uh, what you got with uh, Solo, who did you have? You had uh, Howard, which is like he was, he was boys with um, with Lucas, Lucas obviously, yeah. but yeah. he kind of came in there to clean up. He's things, an execution so. man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, shoot this so. shot, okay. <laughs> but I think you hit the nail on the head, where it's just like you put out a quality product, and mm-hmm. what does it matter, right? Yeah. Like if yeah. if you put out a quality product on your streamer or in the theater. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter right like the the quality of the of the film should be what stands or the quality exactly. of the show or whatever and but, but, i like i don't know i i think i think if wb puts in the work why not right and if like and if christopher nolan is an artist artist he should want as many people to see his movie as mm-hmm. is possible right it's the message in the movie right yeah it's the art of the movie it's like it's it's hard too because you can look at it at like his pure art, right? Do you look at the Mona Lisa on a computer or do you go see the thing in the loop, right? Like I've seen it. That's a good point. Yeah. And yeah, like it's fine, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, but like I, the quality, like maybe the content quality could be the same, but it's like everything around it, like the sounds not as good. You're looking the biggest TV screen in the world is nowhere near an IMAX screen. Yeah, um, the but seats, at the, the same popcorn. time, you got like some guy on his phone, like a couple rows away from you. There's some dude like trying to make time with his girl off to yeah, the at, side. At it, home, like, your doorbell rings, your kids, you know, when you go to a movie, you have a babysitter watching the kids. Now your kids are, you can't get a babysitter to watch your kids while you watch a movie in the basement. <laughs> like what if like, your kids come down and be like, oh, I had a nightmare. I need a snack. Or then you got to pause the movie well, just, or then your phone life, comes right? up and you <laughs> scroll through. Same thing phone. would happen if they were beside you in the theater. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. But, but like if you're going to like a tenant or like, you know, the Joker film, you're not bringing your kids with you. Yeah. But at the same time, you wouldn't watch those movies while your kids are, up and around right and and that's like like we record for like we're coming up on two hours your kid <laughs> hasn't come downstairs your kid hasn't disturbed you like that's I, what I know you if, think if we're sitting down watching like a movie movie like i throw my phone in the basket where the remotes go and i'm not disturbed mm-hmm. at all kind of thing right and that's just how like what like i don't know why people talk about being disturbed when they're watching stuff at home like if I zone in and watch a movie, like I watch a movie and I'm transported to that world kind of thing. Right. Like, and and I have the benefit of being able to like pause it and go pee so that I'm not distracted by trying to be in that world, but the reality of not wetting myself in the real world. (laughs) That's one way to maintain social distance. Yeah. Well, it's so this whole topic, I think, I don't think we're going to solve it here, but, I think at the end of the day, what we can universally agree on is that things are changing and some will see it for the better and some will see it for the worse. But ultimately, I think that there's a hybrid model in there that is going to have to be adapted. I don't think the extreme we're seeing with WB, at least at this point, is going to be the answer. But I I personally don't think we're going back to pre-COVID. I think this was all going this way. And Carlos, you've said this before. It was all going this way, but it might have taken 10 years to get to COVID shortened this thing by 10 and a half years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly. it, it really, really made this happen overnight. And these, these decisions maybe would have happened over time. We could have got on board with this idea, this concept of these VIP theaters, which I think is the way we're all going to, it's all going to go, right? It's going to become more about the extended experience 
in the movie theater as opposed to go in, grab your popcorn, sit down, leave, go talk about it somewhere else, right? So it's uh, it's definitely something that we're going to have to continue to watch. And once we get to experience a few of these things in the not-too-distant future, we're going to have that that personalized data, which we come back and have this conversation again because the first real look we're going to see at this is is only a couple of weeks away, guys. It's Wonder Woman 84. And this is a film that is going to be that first experimental line in the sand. Now, it's not going to be that true line or that true experiment because, you know, globally, we're not all going to get to see this at the same time, day and date on the streaming service. And it's going to roll out in different places. And like I said here, we're not going to have that ability to go see because the theaters are closed again for a month or so. But nonetheless, we're going to get this movie in some capacity, in some way. And we got to get hyped for it here, guys. Like, this is our... Ma- like the major tentpole film for 2020, you know, outside of Birds of Prey, this is truly the only superhero, big, big superhero film. I don't want to say the only superhero film because I don't want to, you know, throw shade at, at Birds of Prey, but on the scale that we're used to for... Well, what about Bloodshot? No, okay, Vin Diesel was in it. <laughs> you were literally the only person who saw this. <laughs> <laughs> Which reinforces, like, why is the guy that watches Bloodshot... The guy fighting for theaters. <laughs> you know, I, I appreciate this theatrical release, and then I'll give it its three months, and then I'll pick it up on home video. I respect it. Man, I respect I, it's, it's free on Prime right now, and I just like, no. <laughs> but, but Wonder Woman 84, guys, this is the tentpole for 2020. It's not going to see the box office returns that we had initially thought with the box office pool. This movie's been moved multiple times. I'm happy it has a firm release date. And from that, you will get a firm VOD sort of time when we can actually see this. But they dropped a new trailer. They've been dropping a lot of hype around this to try to build that excitement back up for Wonder Woman 84. This includes industry reviews. This thing is getting glowing reviews across the board. The message built into it, the way it's executed, the way it picks up the threads from the first Wonder Woman film have all been praised. The score, everything, Gal Gadot's performance as Wonder Woman, as Diana, it's all been highly praised. And I'm excited for this, guys. I don't know when I'm going to see it, but I am excited. So <laughs> let, let's jump into kind of building some hype here, and then we'll do a few predictions, if you will, like we normally do with our preludes. But I first got to throw it over to the goddamn Batman, who who lives with and is married to the biggest Wonder Woman fan I have ever met. Now, how is the Bat Fam handling the news today that we may not have the ability to see this until it's actually released in a form where we can watch it in a streaming service or, or VOD or whatever? And then how's the hype level in the house? And how's the hype level with your wife? And of yourself, yeah. of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Like heartbreak is the only way to describe mm-hmm. the realities that the pandemic brought to our door so I'm hoping and praying that WB gets aggressive because like um, Canada is not the only place that's seeing uh, cases spike that also has cases spiked, shut down, but yet does not have HBO Max access kind of thing. So I- I'm really hoping that within the next two weeks, they sort out an aggressive premium VOD strategy because a lot of places in Europe are shut down too. Um, but yeah, heartbreak would be because that was our like Christmas is a big deal for us kind of thing. So that um, had always kind of pushed our viewing of one room into boxing day, but that was the thing, man. Like 
every couple hours checking the apps to see if those movie tickets are going on sale. So um, we'll see what happens. But as far as like the hype around the movie and the excitement level, like it's pretty palpable. Like I think the delays and whatnot have certainly eroded it, but like they've done everything to knock it out of the park. Like every new poster that you see Mm -hmm. is even more beautiful all the snippets I hear the score are like just taking me places and I I didn't watch the new trailer I kind of have a pretty strict rule of just the teaser number one and then I'll watch the big trailer number one and that's it for me kind of thing but uh yeah I'm I'm hyped I will watch this however I have to kind of thing and uh yeah and those like the early reactions like when you say they were glowing across the board i don't think i saw a single negative one like people are saying it's a pretty special movie and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about when they first announced this thing coming out like i think this is the right time and the right play for one woman to come out and while it's not going to see nearly the box office returns that it could have i think it'll do huge things for the brand mm-hmm. and for DC and for that character and put her in an even stronger position when Wonder Woman three comes out kind of thing. So yeah, man, bring it however we can. Like yeah. if I got to go up to Edmonton and knock on the legislature, I will do that. For <laughs> that's, <us. laughs> that's funny. Well, it's interesting you say about the message and that that's, that's in this film. And one of the things that resonated me with some of the industry reviews was the fact that whether it was intentional or not for 2020, there is a message in there that matters that I think that they're saying will speak to a lot of people about the year that we've had. And yes, this was filmed a long time ago with no intention of having this release mid pandemic. But to me, it's a testament to the film that they were making and, and really expressing and projecting the character and really the nuance of Wonder Woman herself on screen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that there there is a message that will resonate with a larger crowd given the year that we've had. So you're very right. Having this film come out this year, it, it's an important milestone, I think. you know, For the most part, we're starting to see a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel of all this bullshit that we've been experiencing collectively as, as a world over the last nine months or so. And something like this coming out, I think it will bring a lot of light to what could be a very difficult holiday season for a lot of people. And, and seeing mm-hmm. something like that, I, I think it's very, very important. Now, Troy, man, I think you're initially going to go see this in theaters as it dropped. But yeah. given that maybe we're not going to have that opportunity, where does your hype level sit with this? Given, you know, we've seen a lot of trailers for this. We we know who the villains are. We're seeing those great mm-hmm. posters like, like Carlos mentioned. Um, what's it feeling like over there for you? Yeah, man. I mean, I'm still, I'm still uh, excited obviously to see this film, but you know, going back to our last conversation, right? The theatrical experience, the theatrical experience is, is the one for me. And uh, just knowing that I won't be able to see this superhero film, the big screen uh, kind of dampers the mood a little bit, but um, I guess, you know, cause Carlos here hasn't seen the spoiler or seen the, um, the trailer. I won't really spoil anything, but I will say, man, the score for this trailer was something else. The score for oh, this yes. trailer that 100%. dropped was extremely special. Um, that final shot that we have, oh, that final shot that we have between uh, Gal and Chris Pine, something could be going off those two backstage because that was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a special little scene there with that score going on, man. So uh, I'm a believer. I'm a believer in that relationship. 
But uh, yeah, man, I just I just can't wait to see this. Uh, just give it to me somehow. Um, I, I have been kind of complaining a bit about how you know over here in Canada we have pretty much no proper access to the, the legit HBO Max experience, and I just really wish we could get our hands on that app so I could actually see a lot of these things. So, uh, like Carlos mentioned, I hope they do push like an aggressive um, VOD release over here because I really do want to see this film. It's it's just gonna gonna be kind of like heartbreaking because this will might be. Yeah, I think this might be the first um, WB or or DC extended universe, whatever you want to call it, uh, film that I won't see on the big mm-hmm. screen. Because believe it or not, I did even see Birds of Prey. No, that's not that's not right. I didn't see Shazam. I didn't see Shazam. On <laughs> of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. How could I forget? You. So so it's all good. But I really did want to see this on the big screen. But I just I ah man, just want to see this film. Just want to see it now because it's been like what two years pushed really. Because yeah. it was, it's been ready for at least two years. This yeah, year. long time. You know? Long time. Yeah, yeah. So, Shoot. And I, I gotta echo your thoughts there, man. On that most recent trailer, the score and the and the narration yeah. over top of it, it was pitch yeah. perfect for me. Pitch perfect. Yeah. Like I was the first yeah. thing I said to Carlos. I was like, I dropped in the DM and he said he wasn't watching. I said, man, the score and the narration yeah. are top quality, man. It hits you in the right spot for yeah. this film. So, Sonny, my man. You've yeah, been a staunch man. supporter of the universe since day one, and Wonder Woman, I think we universally agreed, was a, a fantastic film. This being the big follow-up to that, finally getting some, at least, strong, strong indication that we're going to see it here within the next, I would say, month or so. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's yeah people saying it's you, a step in, step in the right step direction. In the right direction for, for sure. Yeah, yeah. you got to nail that. Um, <laughs> no, man, like when you look back at the first Wonder Woman film, that film blew me away. I remember seeing that in theaters um, because I remember my theater experiences and I just loved it, man. <laughs> like to me, that film still stands up as like top five comic book films of all time. Like I just loved everything about it. The, you know, the message, the tone, it just nailed everything to me. But then you go back and you look at like the history of DC films, and it seems like there's a pattern that keeps repeating. You get your first film that comes out, and it's a hit. And then WB goes like, hey, that's a hit. So they spend a little bit more money, you know, beef up the budget, and the film comes out. And for the most part, the second one's always a little bit better and a little bit more Polish, uh, polished. You look at uh, Batman 89 and Batman Returns. And uh, you look at um, the D- Batman Begins and the Dark Knight Rises. You know, you could even make that argument for Superman well, there's the a, movie. There's a movie in between there. There's the good one, and then there was a oh, Dark Knight. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, Batman, Be- Batman Begins and, and the Dark like, Knight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was just going to, like, the best one. You know, I could say, like, the Dark Knight and then the Dark Knight Rises, because that was another step up for me. But uh, Superman the movie and Superman 2. Um what and, about you? What you about know, your so, modern examples? If you're gonna pull on this thread here, um, you you, know, you could say Man of Steel and Batman v Superman if you want. I mean, a lot, lot of people if, would if say, you want. Uh, I mean, to me, you can yes. say whatever you want. You know, <laughs> <laughs> to me, yes. But that's no slight on Man of Steel. That's no slight on Man of Steel. You know, Man of Steel is cool. I, I love Man of Steel. I, you know, to me, it's it's amazing. But to me, Batman v Superman was a step up. Uh, from Man of Steel. Um, but this one here, I'm expecting a step up. And um, I think the villain, Cheetah, I think that's who I'm most excited for. You know, Maxwell Lord, he's cool. You know, just going off my own, what I know of Maxwell Lord, you know, 
I don't have high hopes he makes it out of this film. That's no spoilers. I, of course, I haven't seen it, but just going off the comics and the famous scene from um, Identity spoiler, Crisis. <laughs> is this Matt a spoiler? Is it was, I don't know. It was in the comics, but it's not like, you know, I this, there's no spoilers because I don't know if this is true or not, but this is just something in the comics. So I don't know if I should say it or not. I'll, I'll uh, let Carlos, you know, I'll let you... If, if I yeah. should continue, no, don't say anything. Okay, I won't say like, anything. I won't yeah, say I don't know anything. how widely read those are. Yeah. So. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but for me, um, Cheetah, I'll just I'll start again. Um, for me, like looking at the villain, I think Cheetah will be a step up from Ares, and that's no slight on Ares. Like to me, you know, he had his moments, but he could have been a little bit stronger, in my opinion. That's probably like my one weakest point. But I didn't think he was like, I didn't think he was like. Um, what's the guy's name or the girl from Suicide Squad bad? Uh, oh, the Enchantress. <laughs> or Anubis. Uh, yeah. I don't think he was that bad, but people always like... <laughs> they, yeah, Troy's famous uh, car-washing, <laughs> wacky, waving, flippable, two-barbed dance guy. Uh, but I think Cheetah, I honestly think Cheetah will be like... I don't know if she'll be like on Zod's level, but I think she's going to be like a top-tier villain in the DC film universe. And Maxwell Lord, I think he'll be up there as well but I definitely am looking forward to seeing Cheetah. And um, I hope it'd be really cool if like Cheetah makes it out of the film. We see her in like a suicide squad film down the road, but uh, you know, that, that's, that's for down the road. But uh, man, I'm, uh, I'm super pumped for this film and all these like delays and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of like dampened it a little bit. Cause I would have loved to have already seen this in summertime, but you know what? bring it on whenever i can see it i'll be there i'll definitely see this in theaters one way or another you know if it's like this round or you know i definitely guarantee um when theaters like come back this thing will be put back on at some point in a time so i'll definitely see this in theaters but uh whatever i can catch it on first i gotta get like that first viewing just so i don't get spoiled right because like you know like the spoilers for this thing is going to be huge on social media on christmas day and boxing day so make sure you like get it in when you can so you, and stay off social media because I know the spoilers they're coming. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now let's 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 wrap this conversation up. We we usually do box office predictions, but I don't really see any sense in doing that because probably <laughs> not very high. <laughs> it's definitely not going to help anyone win the box office fantasy draft. That's for sure. <laughs> or fantasy pool. Put so much effort into that. I thought that was such a cool idea. Then twenty twenty just like so many other things just kicks you in the nuts. <laughs> so true so true but let, let's throw out one prediction for story whether it's something that's kind of widely out there I'm trying not to spoil anything based on comic knowledge but sonny throw it throw <laughs> in a prediction for for wonder woman 84 something that you think is gonna happen without dragging too much on on maybe previous knowledge um okay one thing i think that's gonna happen um a crazy prediction is you know what i think um, the cheetah Wonder Woman battle when she's wearing like the gold armor, we're gonna like talk about that battle three years to come. Like that's gonna be the like epic focal point of like all our discussion when people are like talking about like sick battles in the DC universe. They're gonna bring up that battle along with some of the other ones. So to me, I think that'll be super cool. Okay, okay, Carlos, what about you, man? Big prediction for Wonder Woman eighty four. That they have. Some plot plot contrivance, you know, where a plot device where Steve Trevor will be able to perpetuate into whatever One Woman Three is going to be. So we need that pine. 
okay what if he's not in the third one they bring him back again it's like steve trevor you're back again in 1994 what are the odds (laughs) troy what about you man prediction uh, you know, I don't really have anything, but the one thing I did have was the opposite of Carlos. I think, I think Steve, I think Pine is, is done, man. I think he's going to, I think he's going to, he's going to bite it again this time. And it's just, it's going to pull on your strings even more than the first time. The first time was sad, but I think it's, I think it's going to happen again, man. I think he's out and, um, and Diana's going to carry that, that loss with her. I mean, it, it would make sense too, I guess. Right. Because when we see her down the road, he's nowhere to be found. And, um, I just get a sense of uh, Diana and like the present, like Justice League and BVS, that there's some sort of loss that she's gone through. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my money on Steve, my dude, Steve the Pine. Is that what Pine? Because <laughs> Gal's husband was like, no sequel unless this guy is written out of the movie. He's That's my next one. <laughs> He's Pine. done. Get him out. <laughs> it's funny because my prediction was around Steve Trevor as well. I was gonna say. At first, I was going to say like he was some like funny figment of her imagination that she just kind of imagined all this stuff and she's gone crazy. But I kind of rethought that one. And I'm kind of aligned with you, Troy. I think that for whatever... You know how they are, there's this whole thing like she disappeared from mankind for whatever, yeah. some like toss-away line? I think that's going to be explained through something with Steve Trevor. Yeah. That mm-hmm. like she's taking a step back for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And my guess is the baked in message that is really something for 2020 is the idea behind the greater good for some reason, like that embracing that concept. It's less about the individual, more about the greater good. So making sacrifices mm. for the greater good are important. And that seems to be like a real Steve Trevor, Chris Pine type of uh, type of thing to do, right? The sacrifice for the greater right. good. Right. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like yeah. communism to me, Tim. Kind of right time for it, so. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they got no cases in China. Maybe we need to give it a shot. No, yeah. no, no. I'm I'm not getting on that bandwagon. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, there it is, man. Wonder Woman 84 dropping in just a few weeks here. And the hype level is it's it's I'd say it's huge, but I think it's dampened a little bit by the fact we don't know when we're actually going to get to see it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate you guys that do get to see HBO Max, our friends to the south there. Keep those spoilers dialed back a little bit so we do have that experience and we don't have that opportunity to fully consume this film in a major way the way it was intended, spoiler-free. Maybe not so much on the theater or <laughs> much on the big screen. But guys, that was another great episode and right on that nerd room length of two hours now that we're calling <laughs> It's no longer an hour and a half show. It's a two-hour show. <laughs> half an hour talking each but we've got some big episodes coming up here we got galaxy quest guys retro review listener choice retro review next week so get your viewing for that it's gonna be a majority of the episode is gonna be talking about galaxy quest and then we got the big 250 guys big 250 coming down should we reveal kind of what we're doing there yes no 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 we're we'll keep that okay we'll keep that tight 50 movies on that episode so yes buckle rapid up. fire <laughs> it's gonna be a long one. Go. So we'll keep Alien. that. We'll keep that tight yes. for a little while. Maybe it'll be just the drop is what you get. But uh, I will say it will be a bit of a celebration of the nerd room in our own little way. Getting to episode two fifty, there five years of podcast. I'm real proud of that. So with all that being said, 
I should probably promote our Get Vocal session one more time. <laughs> December 18th, Friday, not this Friday, the next Friday, Get Vocal. Get over there, quick account, it's free. It doesn't cost anything, it takes two seconds to sign up. Hop on, we'll be live streaming, talking Mando, day and date release, and we'll be celebrating in a big, major way. We've got the holidays coming up here, guys. It's virtual. It's an opportunity for all of us to connect before the holidays, the major holidays, and, uh, and really kind of... S- Give the middle finger to 2020 a little bit here too <laughs> with the few brews That's and all right. that. So I guess uh, if you'd like to be a bigger part of this show in any way, you can always email us at nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything that we do over at nerdroom.net. The hunt is certainly real, and you can find that over at the nerdroom on Instagram and Twitter, guys. That's where we're usually hanging out. Our handles are at the end of the episode, so you can find us there. You can contact us there. That's likely where we'll get back to you sooner as opposed to anywhere else any other platform but nonetheless any of those platforms any of the socials you can find us there guys that that really wraps it for this week i don't know i usually have a bigger exit but i'm a bit uh bit drained here it's been a long conversation a great conversation and i gotta go make sure i can find a way into some sort of uh us vpn so i can watch one woman before all you guys and brag that i've seen it (laughs) 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 so guys until next week where we'll have our galaxy quest retro review for the nerd room i'm tim i'm troy i'm batman and i'm sanjay all right thank you guys very much for entering the nerd room this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy sanjay and carlos on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 sanjabi and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.